Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Phantom Claws right down Phantom Claws Lane. Kinker and blister and all of his pain, dear, smolder with Stygian flames. Trumpets are sounding, drums are pounding, the seventh seal's been removed. So hang your little heads and say your little prayers, cause Phantom Claws is coming for you. Oh, Phantom Claws is coming for here comes Phantom Claus, here comes Phantom Claus, right down Phantom Claus Lane. He's got a bloody sack filled with heads that he's hacked off. I think I heard him call your name. Oh, hear that cackle, smell that sulfur, scream till your nipples turn blue. Those sleigh bells jingling mean one single thing, his sleigh's coming to slay you. His sleigh's coming to slay you. <laughs> Oh, here comes Phantom Claus, here comes Phantom Claus, you don't stand much of a chance. He's got a big list with a whole bunch of names, and he's given it a cursory glance. Oh, watch him waddle in the moonlight, see his eyes glow red. He's coming for you and all the cholos in your crew to collect your filthy pandiero heads. Here comes Phantom Claus, here comes Phantom Claus. Scream and plead all you like. He doesn't understand you, Santa speaks Hebrew, and he's on a tight schedule tonight. Oh, your name's on his list, at least he's pretty sure it is, although his penmanship's admittedly poor. All these names look the same, so it's kinda hard to tell, and it's also hard to spell as you rock it up from hell. Body sure you run a Tijuana Mexican drug cartel, even though you're half Canadian and even though you're 12. So Phantom Claus is coming tonight. Halloween special, part two, episode 185. The Drabblecast is a weekly short fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your ghost, Norm Sherman. This week, the riveting conclusion to Horror World 2025 by D.K. Thompson and Kevin D. Anderson. Before we jump in, though, 
let's have a recap of the story so far. Gunshots cut through the fog. Kyle wiped bits of zombie off his t-shirt, saw two figures with shotguns in the distance. A man and a woman. I'm Selena. She had a heavy British accent. The big guy acting like he's in charge here is Ben. Kyle put the stock into his shoulder, aimed at the nearest zombie, and fired. Looks like you hit the jackpot, tiger. Wood and glass splintered behind them. Dead hands burst through the window, seized his shoulders. Ben reached for Kyle, eyes pleading. Help me! But Kyle couldn't move. This isn't supposed to happen. It's happening again, Grandpa yelled. The stupid sons of bitches! I'd like to apologize to you for the interruption in your horror world experience. As some of you have already discovered, we added improvements this season. Not only are the monsters and villains of Horror World automated, but so are some of the guests fighting beside you. Why? Kyle asked. Research indicated our guests' experience would be heightened if you felt a real sense of danger. Suddenly a siren blared, made Kyle jump. Uh, wait! Kyle pointed to a picture of an empty incubator. Isn't that where Ben was? I'm right here. A chair at the edge of the room slowly swiveled. Ben sat in it, cradling a shotgun, his clothes spattered crimson. Dr. Crichton? Ben said. You're coming with us. A man in black filled the doorway, wearing a Stetson. A cowboy. A freaking cowboy. Come with me, if you want to live. Kyle swallowed. Come where? To stop that damn monorail before those monsters turn civilization into their own personal horror world. And now, part two of Horror World 2025 by Kevin D. Anderson and D.K. Thompson. Display cases of every weapon imaginable lined the gleaming chrome walls. Machetes, machine guns, flintlocks, space-aged blasters, even flamethrowers. Everything you need to survive in Horror World. Kyle reached for a blaster, but a small silver cylinder caught his eye. Is that what I think it is? Leave that alone, Arnold said. His neck was purple and bruised, a painful trophy from the facehuggers he'd survived. He smoked, anyway, an inch of ash on the end of his dangling cigarette. Why? They're prototypes for Star World. They haven't been fitted with safety features yet. You guys have safety features here? How'd I miss that? Arnold sighed. Ben must have figured out how to bypass the safety protocols. That, or they all malfunctioned. Arnold looked at the stoic, black hat cowboy. That what happened last time? The cowboy leaned against a wall and dug his thumbs into his gun belt. Selena grinned at Kyle, practically daring him to take one. He lifted it from the wall, made sure which end was which. Arnold sucked his cigarette. Hold on to your butts. Kyle thumbed it on. 
beam extended from the hilt with a hum and glowed soft blue. A lightsaber. Wow, hokey religions and all that shit. Arnold smiled. I did design work on those. It was difficult containing the beam, keeping it from blasting someone's hand off. Take whatever you can carry, the cowboy said. Blasters are good, no reloading. Selena asked. How about you? Happy with those pea shooters? The edge of the cowboy's mouth twitched. These were made for me. Selena slung a flamethrower over her shoulder. Maybe this was made for me. Kyle switched off the lightsaber. Shouldn't you be joining your spooky friends? Why are you helping us? I ain't no friends of mine. Then he walked out of the room. Arnold darted after him. Guess we're leaving. Kyle lifted another lightsaber. Want one? They're not as random or clumsy as a flamethrower. Shit. The geek is strong in this one. Sure. Jedi me. Kyle tossed it with a grin, then felt a sudden surge of guilt. He'd begged his grandpa to bring him here, and now his grandpa had been taken hostage by the monsters he'd spent all of Kyle's life trying to run from. And he was smiling now? Hey, you alright? Selena asked. Just thinking about my grandpa. She nodded, squeezed his shoulder. So, let's go get him. Kyle smiled without guilt this time and clenched his lightsaber. Hang on, Grandpa. We're coming. Outside the armory, Arnold explained to the cowboy, I'll have to shut down the monorail manually. We'll never get there ahead of Ben. If we cut through the Geiger Hive, we'll get there before they take off. Arnold massaged his throat. The Geiger Hive? Not more aliens. The Geiger Hive was Kyle's second choice after Zombieland. He'd loved the idea of being a space marine, exploring the organic alien architecture, blasting xenomorphs. But as they stepped into the cramped hive, Kyle's arms prickled goose flesh, despite the sweltering heat. It was dark, filled with long, twisting shadows. Aliens could be anywhere. He tried not to hyperventilate, but was sure he could hear his breathing echoing off the catacomb walls. Selena lingered back with him. Why are you worried about the cowboy, Pilgrim? My grandpa used to be a designer here. He told me stories when I was a kid. The cowboys from an older park called Westworld. He malfunctioned, went bad, killed a lot of people. Westworld? Never heard of it. It was 20 years ago. Ancient history, right? Why'd anybody want to go to the Old West anyway? Cowboys, rednecks, horses, outhouses. Boring. You didn't hear my grandpa's stories. The steady clink of spurs sounded off ahead of them. So, why is he helping us? Kyle started to say he had no idea, then stumbled over something. Selena flashed her maglite's beam over the ground. A marine lay face down, his uniform shredded and bloody. She rolled him over. Tourist? Kyle asked. Yeah. Aliens? Arnold asked. Something shrieked in the darkness. That answer your question? The cowboy stopped, clicked back the hammer of his colt, and looked over his shoulder. Get ready. Kyle crouched against the tunnel wall, felt something wet and slimy, like clear phlegm. 
He wiped the goop on his pants leg. Remember, said the cowboy, they're machines, just like the zombies. Aim for the heads. <laughs> Face huggers don't have heads, said Arnold. Two shadows stretched across the ceiling above him. Look out, Kyle shrieked. The cowboy fired. Too late. The aliens reached down their glistening black hands, pulled Arnold off his feet. Kyle aimed, but heard something behind him. He spun around, fired blindly into the darkness. His muzzle flares illuminated a legion of oblong obsidian heads. More aliens reached Arnold, pulled him in opposite directions, tore off his arms. He dangled from above, screaming, an inverted fountain of blood. Another alien opened its mouth, shot out its second set of jaws. They penetrated Arnold's skull, splattered the sleek catacomb floor with bone and brain. Kyle screamed and kept firing at the swarm of polished monsters scurrying behind them. The cowboy pulled Kyle and Selena backward. Selena yanked free and triggered her flamethrower. The alien android shrieked as waves of fire crashed over them. Crichton squinted at the sunlight, then shuffled through the door, past the headless horseman, and into the deserted monorail station. He tried not to stare at Ben's chin, where the faceplate separated from his android skull. It was harder not to stare at the vampires. They lifted their arms to the sky, stared up into the sunlight, grinned, showing off fangs like small daggers. A robotic voice boomed over the loudspeaker. Blaine Station Monorail is arriving in three minutes. Right on time, said Ben. You'd said you'd turn the facehuggers off when we got here. Ben smiled. They're already offline. Why'd you bring me? Crichton demanded. Do you know how many times I've been ripped apart by zombies, Dr. Crichton? Two times a week for the last eight years. I'm tired of dying. Every time they put me back together, every time I start a new cycle, I hoped it'd be different. Then I saw you. I recognized you. With your help, I'll survive. Go home with my family. You don't have a family, you malfunctioning tin can. No. Ben gestured at the monsters. But I know what a family is. How many times have I ridden on this very monorail, talking with guests, looking at pictures of their families, showing them fabricated pictures of mine? That's over now. This is my family, and we're tired of being slaughtered to enhance the customer experience. If the world wants something to be afraid of, then we'll give it to them. And you think I'll help? Your programming is really faulty. Oh, you'll help them. Ben took another step toward him. See those zombies? They're not like me. They aren't aware. Not yet. I'm depending on you to help change all of that, doctor. I'm depending on you to help bring global awareness to all. Otherwise, the world will become our game, and people like your grandson will be killed for our pleasure. Crichton drove his palm at Ben's chin, but the android caught his wrist, squeezed. Crichton yelped, crumpled to the ground, feeling very much an old man. None of that, Dr. Crichton. We got work to do. 
A gust of wind swept through the station as the monorail pulled in. The wolfman leapt forward, ripped the door off its hinges. Crichton turned away as the screaming began. The headless horseman dragged the monorail pilot's body from the cockpit, leaving a trail of blood on the cement. He tossed the headless corpse off the platform. The wolfman padded toward Ben, close enough Crichton could smell his reeking breath. What now? Clean out the cabins. The wolfman snarled, then bounded through the open door, roaring. Stop! Call them off. I'll do whatever you want, but if you hurt another person, I won't help you. Ben smiled. Scare them good, but don't kill anyone else. The wolfman's howl echoed through the station. People flooded from the monorail, screaming. Zombies shuffled behind them, and vampires glided through the air, skimming the crowd. I know what it's like to die. I don't want to kill any more people than necessary. Now, where should we start? Bring in the zombies. The catacombs were opening up. They didn't have to squat anymore, and they could walk side by side. The humidity dipped, and pinpricks of light shone in the darkness ahead. They stopped at the tunnel's edge, stepped out of the horrible maze, onto dirt and gravel. Cool air brushed Kyle's face. It was the sweetest thing he'd felt all day. He scanned for alien movement, then wiped sweat off his forehead and sucked in the night air. Get your breath, the cowboy said. He took a few steps away from Kyle and Selina, stared out at the night sky. Guess you're out of your element here in the Geiger Hive, huh? Kyle asked. The cowboy smirked. Andrew, a change of scenery. My grandpa told me stories about you. The cowboy's smirk faded. About how I'm a cold-blooded killer. Pretty much. The cowboy turned his gunmetal-colored eyes toward Kyle. Why am I helping you, pup? That's what you want to know? He let out a long breath. The designers, Kirkman and his lot, figured out how to give androids digital intelligence. I was one of their original subjects due to my history. When they brought me online, my head was pumped full of memories of things I'd done. All that killing and screaming. Now when they put me to sleep, I dream. I see women taking their last breaths. Old stupid businessmen lying in their own blood, begging for mercy. But were you conscious back then? Did you know what you were doing, or were you just malfunctioning? Don't know. The cowboy said. It all seems like a nightmare. Even if the memories ain't mine, they ain't nobody else's. I thought if I could do this one thing, if I could help stop it this time. I can't change what I've done. But maybe it'd be worth something. Maybe I can finally feel like I'd woken up. Kyle stared at the cowboy, the boogeyman of his grandpa's stories. He thought about everything that had happened in the last 24 hours. The zombies, the cabin, the aliens, Arnold's death, Ben's deceptions, his grandpa's capture. Could I ever trust another android? The cowboy pointed into the darkness. Look. Kyle grabbed his blaster. The cowboy shook his head. Not aliens. Look again. Kyle stared into the darkness. Then he saw it. 
a curved wall, a facade of the night sky. They'd reached the edge of the pleasure dome. Kyle reached out, ran his fingers over the flickering stars that dotted the wall. We're here? The cowboy nodded. Emergency exit. He grabbed a handle and pulled open a star-covered door. Light washed over Kyle's face, blinding him. It was like coming out of a dark movie theater in the middle of the day, and Kyle's brain was taking too long processing the reality. Outside, people screamed. On three, the cowboy said. One. Kyle squeezed the grip of his blaster, tried not to hyperventilate. Oh God, we're really going to do this. We have to do this. Two. Three. Selena shouted. She elbowed past them, blasting away. The cowboy and Kyle exchanged surprised looks, then charged after her, firing into the crowd of monsters. Alien and zombie heads exploded. Tourists screamed and ran for cover. The monorail horn blared. Ben stood in the cockpit, the headless horseman at the controls. Ben waved at Kyle. Then the monorail door slid shut, and it began to slide across the track. They're getting away, Kyle screamed. Get on that train! The cowboy shouted. He spun on his heel, started clearing a path through the monsters with his colts. Selena leapt over the fallen androids, Kyle close behind. She shoved a zombie out of the way, grabbed a rail on the monorail's roof, and swung herself up. She reached down for Kyle, sprinted beside the train, caught his hand. She grimaced at his weight, but held on tight. Slowly pulled him up. His shirt curled up around his chest, exposing his stomach to the roof's hot metal. But he made it to the top, grinning like an idiot. Now we just need to get inside. Something growled. Kyle turned, saw the wolfman crouched at the end of the car. The monster's lips pulled back in a snarl, tongue sagging outside of its mouth. He tensed like a coil, then sprang. Kyle fired his blaster over and over, but his aim was worse than a stormtrooper's. Then the cowboy landed in front of them, six shooters blazing. Bullets ripped through fur, but the wolfman managed to pounce, knocked the black hat off the cowboy's shaved head, sent it floating in the wind. Fangs and claws slashed through the cowboy's shirt and skin. The cowboy grunted, fired point-blank into the lycanthrope's open mouth. Fur and sparks exploded out of the back of the monster's skull. The cowboy rolled the limp creature off him and off the monorail. He dusted himself off and scowled. Thought I told you to aim for the head. Black gloves gripped the roof's rail. The headless horseman pulled himself up, drew his saber. You were saying? Who's driving this thing? The cowboy cocked his guns. You two go on and get. How? Kyle asked. Selena drew her lightsaber, thumbed it on with a snap hiss, and slashed open the roof. Into the monorail, flyboy. She shouted, then fell through the gaping hole. Kyle followed her down, bounced off a seat, and hit the hard floor. His ankle surged with pain. He got to his knees, blaster up. Selena stood over him, lightsaber at the ready. Well-dressed, pale-skinned men and women looked back at them, quizzically. Most wore black or deep velvety red. A blonde woman smiled at Kyle. 
All the passengers in the car wore the same sharp-toothed smile. Kyle groaned. Ugh, you know, that's the one thing about Horror World. There's too many of those damn vampires. He shot the blonde in the face. The vampires swarmed, fangs everywhere. Selena slashed with her lightsaber, cut a few, kept the rest at bay. Get into the next car! She shouted. Kyle blasted the vampires between him and the door, then limped backward, still firing, trying to cover Selena. Vampires hissed. The smell of charred circuit boards filled the cabin. A vampire vaulted over the seats and slashed Selena's side. She staggered back, but managed to slice the bloodsucker's head off. Kyle grabbed the flamethrower from her and doused the compartment with fire. Selena stumbled through the door and collapsed on a seat. Kyle sealed the door, then turned to examine her. Her shirt glistened red. Vampires. Why did it have to be vampires? Kyle didn't know what to do, so he reached for her hand. She grinned and squeezed his back, then pulled herself up. Come on, tiger. If this is going to be my last train ride, I'm gonna punch as many Android tickets as I can. Dozens of zombies lay in a row at Crichton's feet, faceplates removed. He bent over them, busy superseding Kirkman's programming, when the monorail's window exploded in a haze of glass and gunshots, and a pair of dark figures fell through the cracked glass and slammed to the floor. The cowboy got to his feet first, spurs jingling. Crichton stumbled backwards. Jesus! The headless horseman rose too, twirling his lightsaber. The cowboy darted forward, planted a boot hard into the horseman's chest, and kicked him back through the window. The cowboy turned toward Crichton. Where's Ben? Here, Ben said. He popped up over a seat, pressing his shotgun against the cowboy's glistening head. No matter how hard you try, you're still their machine. You can still be controlled. He slid open the cowboy's faceplate and deactivated him. The cowboy slumped to the floor. See? Ben shouldered his shotgun and smiled. Now, where are we at with those zombies, Doctor? We'll be at Blaine soon. They just needed to be activated. Crichton nodded at the fallen cowboy. I should work on him next. Nice try, but no. Activate the zombies. Crichton bent over the androids. One by one, he slid their faceplates closed. The zombies lumbered to their feet, staggered about uncertainly. Ben looked at them, pride evident on his face. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Soon we'll arrive in the heart of civilization. The zombies turned toward him. The door behind Crichton slid open. Kyle burst in with Selena, some crazy space-age gun in his hand. Relief flooded Kyle's face, and he opened his mouth to say something. Crichton put a finger to his lips, shook his head. Now wasn't the time to hug it out. Ben continued talking to the zombies. 
In the past, the humans have pitted us against each other. Now we are aware. We can attack them. A zombie shuffled closer to Ben. Brains. Ben stepped back, confused. What? No, you're androids. You don't need- The zombies staggered forward, grabbed Ben. Get back. We don't have to fight anymore. A zombie tore his shirt. Ben fired his shotgun, blew off its head, splattering a window. He unloaded the other barrel into the next zombie, then swung the weapon like a club. Crunched another's skull, but the zombies fell on him, tearing at his limbs. Deja vu, Selena said. Zombies are simple monsters, said Crichton, hugging Kyle to him. You can give them awareness, but all they really want are brains. Ben's screams filled the cabin. Um, should we kill them? Kyle asked. Definitely, Crichton said. But let's wait a minute. They seem hungry. Selena stood watch, clutching her side as the zombies feasted. Kyle knelt beside the fallen cowboy. Grandpa finished connecting the wires, slid the android's faceplate shut, and nodded at Kyle. Kyle touched the cowboy's shoulder and said, It's time to wake up. was our story. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm adding Android Wolfman to my Halloween list. Going to need a bigger stocking. Well, kiddies, another year, another Halloween episode in the body bag. It's time to go and leave some milk and cookies out for Phantom Claus. He just loves milk and cookies. Remember, the Travelcast is produced with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means share and scare with it all you like. Just don't change any of it or sell any of it. If you enjoyed this story or simply appreciate the crapload of time and effort that went into it, consider donating to us. You'll find support links off of our main webpage, www.travelcast.org. We'll see you next week, weirdos. Until then, our staff is made up of associate editor Matthew Bay, a headless horseman with a lightsaber, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you that facehuggers don't have heads.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.